Jesus, I wonder what's wonder what's happening in your heart right now. How is your heart responding to what we just prayed? As you look at each one of our hearts, Lord, we just said that there was nothing greater than knowing you, that you're our joy, that you're our hope, our righteousness, that you're the best thing that's happened to us. Lord, I imagine that you're, you're smiling because you know that as we're able to release control of ourselves and open our hearts to you, we can experience the absolute best in our lives. Oh, Jesus, we do love you, Lord. Help us love you more, I pray. In your special and precious name, amen. 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 Boy, maybe you seated. I am so glad you're here today. And you're all glad to be here, too. It's wonderful. Amen. <laughs> it's I'm going to release the children through grade four now to classes that are prepared for them. And while they do that, I'm going to invite you to look in your gospel, your copy of God's Word, and look at the book of Philippians. We're going to be looking at that together today. And uh, that song that we just sang is, is brought right out of the middle of that letter of Paul to this church that he loved so dearly. And so you'll see that we've been looking at building a legacy for God's glory, and that's what we've been looking at through this this whole Christmas season and a little bit before that. And we've been focusing on joy, and today we're going to be looking at joy in the gospel. Is it possible to have extreme joy that comes from the gospel, and what does that look like for each one of us? And so the big idea for today, as you see there, is focusing on the gospel allows you to leave the legacy of a joy-filled life. Okay, and I don't know about you, but that's something I've been longing to do. I want to leave the legacy of a joy-filled life. Have you ever thought about that? You know, as people think about you, and, you know, I mean, we're all going to have a service at some point, right? And everybody's going to come around, or maybe nobody will come around, and, and, you know, there's this service, right? Yeah, pardon me? Well, yeah, unless Jesus comes back, then there'd really be a service, but then there's a whole wedding banquet and the whole nine yards, but that's another thing, but... But as you look at that, I, I, I just long for people to say he was joy-filled. He was a joy-filled person. But more than that, why was I joy-filled? What was it that allowed me to be filled with joy? And I think this letter to the Philippians allows us to take a look at that from a man whose life was identified as a man who was joy-filled in the midst of every circumstance, and that's Paul. And I believe that this is a letter from a pastor's heart written to a congregation that he loved dearly. And that's what I'd like to take a look at. But before we do that, we have to answer this question, what is the gospel? If focusing on the gospel can allow us to leave a legacy of a joy-filled life, then we need to understand what is the gospel. And what a lot of you may not know is, you know, Dave talked about needing to evangelize, and, and we talk about that. We're part of the Evangelical Free Church of America, and you know that we talk a lot about the evangelical church, and what does that mean exactly? Well, what you may not know is that evangelical or evangelistic or all of that, the root word of that is evangel, okay? And evangel is the Greek word for Gospel, right, all right, excellent, you got it. Okay, so, so evangel is gospel. So when we think of ourselves as being evangelical Christians, evangelical Christians, right, what we're saying is that we're people 
who have been changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And because we've been changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, we're filled with joy. And because we're filled with joy, we want as many people as possible to be able to understand what it means to accept and know the gospel of Jesus Christ so that they too can be filled with joy and that they can know for absolute certain that they can have eternity in heaven. Yeah, Yeah. so that's what it's all about. So Paul says that the gospel is of first importance. He expresses it to us in, in 1 Corinthians 15. And, he, and the gospel, its simplest form is that Jesus died, he was buried, and he rose from the dead. And he's seated at the right hand of the Father right now interceding for us. The gospel is the truth that can change our lives. It's the, it's the truth that can bring joy into our lives. And it's the truth that can secure for us an eternity in, in heaven. So, what is the gospel? That's what it is. Now, we're going to be looking at the letter to the Philippians, but we need to be careful because sometimes we pick up God's word and we say this was written to us, okay? And, 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 and I want to lovingly tell you that this wasn't written to you. This was written to a church in Philippi, all right? And, and this letter that we're looking at has been preserved for us, okay? God has preserved it, and he's, he's brought it into our language, and it's here, so it's for us. But it was written to a group of people at a point in time for a purpose. And in order for us to get a correct interpretation of this letter, we need to understand what that was. And once we interpret that, once we understand that, then we're able to apply it to our lives. And in applying, we then are able to implement that and change our world through the power of Jesus Christ. All right, so let's take a look at this letter of Philippians and understand what was going on. I have a map for you. Don't you love maps? And I have a pointer so that I can point to a spot on the map back there. Okay, maybe it's handier for you. I'll use the front maps, okay? All right, excellent. All right. So you may not understand. This is Africa here, okay? And here's the Middle East, all right, where, where, where um, Israel is. is all right in here. This is Judea. And here's Jerusalem, okay? And Jerusalem's where the temple is, and that's where, you know, where Jesus was crucified and those kinds of things. And right outside of there is Bethlehem, where Jesus was born. And he spent most of his time right in this area. He went out in the Decapolis, and so he was outside of that a little bit. But for the most part, this is where Jesus spent his whole time. And what we're looking at now is we're looking at Paul taking his second missionary journey, okay? And so Paul has been so changed by the gospel, such a dramatic conversion, that he's got this passion for the gospel to go through the whole world. And he wants to get it all the way over to Spain over here, which is like over here. See there where that is? Okay, but, but he's working on that. And as he's working on that, he's continually going around from all these cities, establishing all these churches in, in Asia and, and in, in, in this area and here, and then he feels like he needs to go back in there. But Acts 16 tells us that he came to this place and he was looking to go into Asia. And the Spirit of God said, no, no, you're not going into Asia. And he's like, I don't know what to do with that. And so then he, he had a dream. And in a vision, there was a man from Macedonia who came to him and pleaded with him to come and share the gospel. And so they set out from Troas. And at this point in the scriptures, in Acts chapter 16, it goes from they to we, okay? So as Luke was writing, this is fascinating, as Luke was writing Acts, at this point in time, he, he had been doing careful research from eyewitnesses, and he had been putting it together, but all of a sudden now, he becomes an eyewitness. And so Luke was with them when they went into 
um, into Macedonia, okay, which is now modern-day Greece. And so he went into Macedonia, and the first place that they ended up, they, they were in Neapolis, but they went to Philippi is the first place that were taught, that they, they, that they taught when they got into Macedonia. So it's like, if we look at Acts 16, it's worth taking a trip back there. Acts 16, because it's really important for us to understand, if this is the letter from a pastor's heart to, a, uh, to his group of people that he loves so dearly, it's important for us to understand how did he get to be their pastor. So if we see Acts chapter 16, and we look at verse 10, after Paul had seen the vision, we got ready. That's where Luke joins him. So it's Paul, Timothy, Silas, and now Luke joins them, and they're heading into Philippi, okay? And they're going into Macedonia, uh, because they concluded that God had called them to preach the gospel. <laughs> All right, let's go. God's calling us, let's go. And this is probably around 49 AD. So from Troas, they put out to sea, sailed straight, and then ended up in Philippi, a Roman colony, the leading city of that district of Macedonia. Okay, so we've got Philippi, which is this Roman colony. And you're like, okay, so, well, that's an important piece of information. Because, a Roman, because it was a Roman colony, it was a Greek city, but it was established as a Roman colony. So everyone who was there became a Roman citizen. And because it was a Roman colony, as they've done the archaeological digs there, they've determined that Latin was the language that was used there. So Latin was the language, the official language. Greek was still spoken in the commonplace, but Latin was the official language. And so lots of the buildings have Latin inscriptions. But also, since it was a Roman colony, Caesar would have been worshipped as Savior and Lord. Okay, so, so here comes Paul into this area where Caesar is worshipped as Savior and Lord because it's a Roman colony, and he's wandering in saying, hey, you want to know the Savior and Lord? And so, okay, that's the colony that he's coming into. All right, so there's a lot of tension going on here. So he comes in, and, and they go outside the city, expecting to find a place of prayer, and they find some women who are there worshiping God. They hadn't yet heard the gospel. So Paul shares the gospel, and we're told that Lydia came to a saving knowledge of Christ. And it's fascinating. Here in, in our scriptures, it says in verse 14, it says, she was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. See, I don't know if you're sharing the gospel with anybody, but if you are, Pray that the Lord will open their heart so they're ready to receive the message. Because once a person's ready to receive the message, it changes their lives. And that's what happened to Lydia. And so she invited them to come to the home. But listen, look what she says. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, come and stay at my house. Wow, isn't that something? So she was dramatically and, and, and instantly changed by the truth of the gospel. So then they, they hung out in Philippi for a while and they were spreading the gospel and, and there, there was a slave girl who was following around and she had a demon in her and that demon allowed her to kind of prophesy and tell the future and since she was a slave girl, her masters were making a whole bunch of money off of her telling the future. And so they were following Paul around and, and she was kind of being obnoxious and, and the scripture said he, he got annoyed by her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, so anyway... Um, he turns around and he says, in the name of Jesus, I command the demon, come out of you. And so the demon did. And all of a sudden, she couldn't tell the future anymore. And they couldn't make any money anymore, and that upset them. Okay, and so they took Paul, and Paul was then thrown in prison, along with Silas. Okay, so Paul and Silas get thrown in prison in Philippi. And you know what they did when they got thrown in prison? 
singing, right? Nobody knows the trouble. No. Sorry. But they start singing. And they're singing in the jail. They're rejoicing. Why? Because they've been able to share the gospel. They're thrown in prison because of spreading the gospel. That's, that's Paul's whole focus. In Acts 20, 24, he says, nothing moves me. I don't even consider my life dear unto myself that I might finish my course with joy in the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ. All of his joy comes from being able to minister to the gospel of Jesus Christ. So he's singing in prison, and he's got Silas singing alto or something, I don't know. And so they come along, and they're singing, and all of a sudden there's this tremendous earthquake, and all the cells are broken open, the chains are broken away, and the jailer's like, oh, no, I am toast. I, I'm going to get killed for this. I might as well kill myself and avoid the weight. And he's getting ready to kill himself, and Paul says, wait a minute, we're all here. We didn't leave. And he's going, what's going on with you people? You sing when you're in jail, and when you can go out, you stay. What is it with you? What do I need to do to have what you have? Because I don't have that. What must I do to be saved? Paul said, believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you'll be saved. And your house. Now listen, that, that doesn't mean that you believe that Jesus was born doesn't mean that you believe that Jesus lived. doesn't mean that you believe that Jesus died. It doesn't mean that you believe he was raised from the dead. It doesn't mean that you believe he rose into heaven. See, the demons believe that, James tells us, and, and it does them no good. It means to believe in all that Jesus taught. It means to believe in all that Jesus is. It means to believe in the fact that Jesus Christ is Lord. And it means that you trade control of your life to allowing him to have control of your life because that's what you've been designed for. And that's what averts the wrath of God. So, the jailer said, I'm in. And his whole family was. And so they hung around Philippi for a little while, and then they took off. But Paul made at least two trips back to this city that he loved so much. And the letter that he's written is a friendship letter. And it reveals the deep love that he had for these people. And so we see first, our first point here, focusing on the gospel allows us to leave a legacy of a joy-filled life. First, we see that accepting the gospel will bring real joy into your life. See, Paul celebrates. He says, I am absolutely confident the God who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. See, Paul had brought the gospel to the city of Philippi. And as he did that, People knew what it meant to be redeemed, to be bought back from what they had sold themselves into. I have a video I'd like you to watch. Amen. What is it that you've been rescued from? What is it that you've been redeemed from? You know, there's a few of them up there, but each person's been trapped by something. Each one of us have have hurts or scars of some sort that have come into our lives. Loneliness, despair, not feeling that we measure up. It could be one of a hundred different things. But the love of Jesus comes in and redeems us. That's the gospel. Rescues us from those things. So, our 
our verse for this year. It says this, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. See, being redeemed doesn't mean being repaired. It doesn't mean being remodeled. It doesn't mean, it means being recreated. I am not who I used to be. I am a brand new creation. Thank God. Thank God. I am a brand new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. You see, that's, that's the beauty of the gospel. The beauty of the gospel is the things that held me in the past can no longer hold me. I can hold them, but they can't hold me because Jesus has released me from those things and recreated me. Why? So that he can make his appeal to the world through us. See, that's what Paul got. That's what Paul understood in an amazing way because Saul on the road to Damascus was going to persecute the church and he experienced an incredible, an incredible conversion because he saw Jesus. And he got scooped into heaven. I mean, the whole nine yards. And it's like, oh man, if only we could experience that. But listen, what he saw changed him. And it's the same for us. So what can we do to leave a legacy of a joy-filled life? Focus on the gospel. Now Paul in his letter does an amazing job of talking to this church in Philippians who I believe knew him really well. I believe they knew him well and he knew them well. And he was able to write this letter to them that encouraged them in how to live this joy-filled life in the midst of incredible circumstances. And there's seven different things that we'll look at that we can have joy-filled existence in our lives. So if you're missing joy, ask yourself if your focus is right. So the point there, focusing on the gospel will bring joy-filled perspective in every circumstance. Every circumstance. I love this because Paul starts this letter out by saying, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of our partnership in the gospel. And I'm confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So Paul is writing to these people, this church in Philippi, and he's saying, I thank God every time I remember you. That's an absolute. And then he goes on with a few more. In all my prayers, for all of you, I always pray with joy. So let me ask you, can you say that? Can you say that? I thank my God every time I remember every person. And in every one of my prayers, for every person I think of, I always pray with joy. Wow, that's hard, isn't it? But do you know, I can say that I thank my God every time I remember you. I do. And in all my prayers for you, I always pray with joy. Because you're perfect? No, uh-uh, that's not it. Because I absolutely know that God is continuing to do the work in you that he's begun. And I love watching it happen. I absolutely love watching how each one of you is growing in your knowledge of who Jesus is and how that's changing your lives. Now, some of you out here I don't know, so I don't know if he's doing that in your lives. But those of you I know, I love watching that. And it fills me with joy. And then Paul says, I want you to know, brothers, what's happened to me is really caused to advance the gospel, and I'm going to continue to rejoice. So here's Paul, he's in jail, and he's writing a letter back to the Philippians saying, hey, I'm in jail and I'm rejoicing. And the Philippians are saying, yeah, so? 
That's what you do when you end up in jail, Paul. That's how we met you, was you rejoicing in jail. So we're not surprised that you're still doing that. See, I love that. He's reminding them. Listen, whatever's happened in my life, I'm still going to rejoice because God can use whatever circumstance comes in my life to have the gospel go forward. See, if it's not about me, if it's about Jesus, then what happens to me is less important than how I handle what happens to me. You know, and, and this cancer thing, you know, that, that came into my life, and a lot of you have said, I can't believe you were able to handle it this way. See, this is it. This is it. It's all about the gospel. That's it's all that it's about. You see, it's of first importance. The most important thing is the gospel goes forward. What happens to me along the way, that's okay. Guess what? Cancer's not going into heaven. I'm all right. Okay? But how many people can go to heaven who wouldn't have gone to heaven because cancer came into my life. See, that's what I care about. Because I'm getting, to, I'm getting to hang around with a lot of people I wouldn't have been able to hang around with if I didn't have cancer. And it takes seven, seven hours to get the chemo, so they gotta put up with me. <laughs> and you're hooked up to this thing that can't kick you out, so you know, I mean, there you go, right? See, you can use these things in your life. If you're, nobody, no, okay, if that's where you're at, you're gonna miss it, you see that? Joy in every circumstance if you're focused on the gospel. Remember, Jesus didn't save you so that you could keep it a secret. All right, hide it under a bushel. I'm going to let it shine. See, that's it. You get that? See, we sing it when we're little and we forget it when we're old. All right. Next, focusing on the, on the gospel will bring joy-filled motivation. Focusing, oh, wait, there's something I need to show you. I forgot something in my notes. Chapter 20, or verse, verse, verse 1, chapter 29. No, chapter 1, verse 29. There we go. Okay, it's all right. Um, For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for him. It's been granted to you. It's been granted to you. Isn't this great? On behalf of Christ, not only do you get to believe in him, but you get to suffer for him. Amen. All right, one person. Yes. You see, why is that important? Because you will suffer. All right, 2014, you will suffer. Something's going to come into your life. It's going to bring some sort of suffering. Are you going to suffer for him? Or are you going to suffer for yourself? See, it's a gift if you take this and say, I'm good with it. I'm good with it, Lord. It didn't come into my life unless you allowed it or decreed it. And so, you know more than I do. I'm good with it. All right. So, motivation, joy-filled motivation. And this comes, I see, right in verse 27 of chapter 1. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. And if we flip over to chapter 3, it says here, it says, verse 20, our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so they will be like his glorious body. Well, that's pretty cool. So what's our motivation? Our motivation is that Jesus is our Savior and Lord. Now, see, check this verse out, okay? Verse 20, remember, they're in a Roman colony. They're in a Roman colony, they're Roman citizens, and Caesar is their Savior and Lord. And so in this one verse, Paul says, our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await the Savior from there, 
Okay, make no mistake about it. This world is not our home. We're just passing through. Okay, our citizenship is in heaven. All right, and so when you're focused on that and you're focused on, on what, what you're doing for the, for the home that's waiting for you, your motivation changes. Okay, your motivation isn't on this, this existence we have on the earth. Rather, your motivation is how can I take as much as possible with me when I go? And that's nothing physical that we take with us. So focusing on the gospel, 2.15, it says, you live in a crooked and depraved generation. He's telling this, this church in Philippi. They lived in a terrible place. It was a place where there was all sorts of, of, of evil going on, and the evil was embraced as good. You know, and, and, and we continue to wander into that in our culture and in our society. We live in a world that's dark. Hello, we're the light. The more light we have, the more the darkness is dispelled. And that's what he's telling them. He, said, he says, hey, don't get discouraged. Don't complain. Don't argue. Don't grumble. You don't need to do that. You need to be blameless and pure, children without fault, in a crooked and depraved generation so that you can shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. See, the word of life brings light into the darkest situation. The word, the gospel. Focusing on the gospel brings joy and allows you to leave a legacy of a joy-filled life. Focusing on the gospel will allow you to see joy-filled potential. And that's the song we sang. Whatever was to my gain, I consider loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes through the law, but a righteousness that comes by faith, the righteousness of Christ credited to my account. You see, the potential of being able to leave all the stuff in the past that doesn't matter and take hold of that for which God is calling us heavenward. I love those verses. He says, not that I've already obtained all this. I haven't been made perfect, but I press on. I'm in verse 12 of chapter 3. I'm sorry. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brother, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ has, or which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus to take hold of the love that Jesus has for me. And he's, he's called me to take as many people as possible along with me. Amen? You get that for you too, right? You see, and in, in, in chapter 4, verse 1, he says, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and whom I long for, you're my joy and my crown. That's how you should stand firm. See, your motivation comes from knowing that that potential is there. See, we're, we're designed for eternity. We're not designed for here. We're designed for eternity. And, and as we consider that, as we think about that, we get joy thinking about that. And we get joy thinking about those who've gone ahead and they're, they're experiencing it already. And Paul addresses that too. He says, I, don't, I, don't, I could stay here or I could go. I'd rather go, but I'm going to stay here. And You know, all of that, it's all in here. But as he looks at that, and he, he sees that, that they are his joy and crown. See, that's how it is. As God allows us to have influence in other people's lives. And I imagine as Paul wrote about this, he, he maybe set the pen down for a minute. I don't know that. I'm supposing. He set the pen down, and faces started going through his mind of people who God had touched through him in different situations. People whose lives had been dramatically changed by the gospel truth of Jesus Christ. 
People who were no longer who they used to be. People whose relationships had been restored. People who had experienced victory over the things that were holding them in bondage. Rod, I suppose it's the same for you as you look out over your congregation and you think, man, I'm so filled with joy when I see how you've allowed Jesus to touch your life and change you. And I see some of you who were in situations that were hopeless and the love of Jesus just poured into your life and you opened your heart and he flooded it with your presence And it doesn't mean that some of you aren't still in some really hurtful, stinky situations. But you're still experiencing the love of God flowing into those places. And I tell you what, it brings joy to me. And interestingly, Paul talks about this being a joy and a crown that that in eternity, it's going to be the crown of righteousness for you. Those people that have been impacted by you. I wonder... Have you, ever had, have you ever had it where you've shared the gospel with someone who has never heard it or never accepted it? Have you been able to share the truth of Jesus Christ to someone who had never received it before? And they looked into your eyes and they saw the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ just flooding out of you as love and, and, and they said, I want that. Yes, can you help me receive Jesus as my Savior? And right there in front of you, they went from being eternally condemned to being eternally righteous and going into the presence of the Lord. And have you been there? And and have you strained to hear the rejoicing that was happening in heaven? Because it tells us that there's a party every time that happens. And have you seen the change on that person's face when they go from hopeless to hope-filled? Listen, if you've never experienced that, Will you pray that in 2014, God gives you an opportunity to share your, God, your faith every day at least once? Every day, one time, someone who's never heard the gospel before, you say, oh, I don't, I'm scared. Listen, when you get to heaven, apparently somehow all those people are going to be the people who are standing there with you. The people you didn't talk to are going to be the people who are in a Christless eternity. Not much joy in that. You've been trusted with the gospel for a reason. You're saying, man, that's hard. I'm telling you right now, it's not hard. It's not hard. Okay, you go to the Walmart, and there's two lanes open because you're there on Saturday afternoon, and there's 23 lanes, and two are open. Sorry, Walmart, don't take this as an offense. Okay, so, but that's an incredible opportunity that's been presented to you by God. And you say to the person in front of you, do you think in heaven all the checkout lanes will be open? And they look at you like you got three heads. And you say, do you ever think about heaven at all? And immediately you've turned the conversation to that person's greatest need. And you're able to talk to them about how you know you're going to be in heaven forever. Is that hard? Focusing on the gospel, we have four more points and 30 seconds. Would, would you allow me five extra minutes? Okay, if, if that's hard for you, I don't mind if you leave. It's my fault I went long. Okay. Focusing on the gospel will allow you to be a joy-filled example, an example of love, 
you know what? Paul says, whatever you have seen in me, whatever you have received or heard from me, put that into practice. And, and he says in chapter 3 there, verse 17, he says, join me, join with others in following my example and take, take note of those who live according to the pattern we live. That's an awesome responsibility for me to be able to stand up here and say, follow my example. Now, does that mean I do things perfectly, Karen? No. Okay. Uh, Tess? No. All right. Well, all right. I'm, I'm going to quit asking. Um, but no, I don't do everything perfectly, but part of watching my example is seeing what happens when I mess up. Okay? When someone comes up to me and says, man, you know what you said hurt, and I don't think it was very kind. And how do I handle that? I say, wow, it's Karen's fault. <laughs> it's not good for man to be alone. No, uh, so, no, I say, man, I'm so sorry. I am so sorry. That's not what I designed or intended, and that's not who I want to be. And so I'm able to, to be an example even in those situations. And as we're able to be examples, joy-filled examples of how the gospel has changed us, as I'm an example for that for you, and then you can be an example of that for the person you're with or the persons you come in contact with. Focusing on the gospel will bring joy-filled peace and unity. This amazing verse, and everybody wishes their names were Iodia and Syntyche because it says, I plead with Iodia and Syntyche to agree with each other in the Lord. So the only verse they have in all of Scripture is, hey, stop fighting, you guys, okay? And, but when you stop and think about it and you look at it in context, it's this beautiful truth that if you're focused on the gospel and the truth of the gospel and how the gospel can be shared in the world, there's no disagreement because it's all about Jesus. It's all about his truth going out. And listen, if Pastor Mark and I are at each other, okay, that doesn't help the gospel. That doesn't help the gospel. So we hide it. No. So we, <laughs> so we keep short accounts, and that's how it needs to be with all of us, okay? We need to be in unity because the gospel is too important. Focusing on the gospel will allow you to experience joy-filled giving. So there's this truth that you can give from a joy-filled heart. And I see that in chapter 4, where, where Paul says, I'm not looking for a gift, but I'm looking for what may be credited to your account. I'm looking that, that what you've experienced can be credited to your account. We have to take a, 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 quick, a quick journey back to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And there, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul is boasting, <laughs> I'm going to say boasting, about this church in Philippi. He says, out of their most severe trial, their overflowing joy, and their extreme poverty, they welled up with rich generosity. For I testify they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond that. Entirely on their own, they begged with us to let them give money. Isn't that amazing? Out of their extreme poverty, their severe trial, and their overwhelming joy... How do those three things go together? Because their pastor showed them the example. They, he lived a life that gave them a legacy of a joy-filled life that was focused on the gospel. And so they were focused on the gospel. And they sacrificed so that the gospel could go forward. One more that's not in your notes, but Sherry's got it there. Focusing on the gospel will bring joy-filled fellowship. And that comes from the first verses there. It says, because of your partnership in the gospel. Really, it's fellowship there. And in chapter, chapter 2, in the, in the end there, from 19 to 30, 
Paul talks about Timothy and Epaphroditus and how they had such great fellowship and he was so encouraged and, and the joy was brought into his life because of that fellowship with other people. Because the truth is, sometimes I don't feel all that joy-filled. But God brings people into my life who are joy-filled at that moment. And there's times when I'm really joy-filled and another person's not all that joy-filled. And, and sometimes that's obnoxious, but for the most part, for the most part, that, that spurs me on to joy. See, we spur one another on. So, man, was that a whirlwind trip through the, the letter to the Philippians? But do you see that the gospel, focusing on the gospel, will allow you to leave a legacy of a joy-filled life? What's robbing your joy? What's stealing your joy from you? My sense is that if it's anything, it's something that's drawing you away from the gospel. Focusing on the gospel will bring that joy into your life. Lord, thank you for that. Thank you for the truth of that. And Lord, as we take the digging deeper this week and we read through this letter to the, to the Philippians each day, I pray that you'd continue to stir in our hearts what it means to have our focus on the gospel. The truth is, Lord, each one of us knows people who don't know you. And as we look at 2013, maybe many of us are not able to say that we shared the gospel even one time. What would happen this year, Lord? What would happen if each one of us became passionate about sharing the gospel? What if each one of us shared the gospel one time each day? What kind of light would come into Walworth County, Lord, if we were able to do that? The communities where we live in. God, whatever it is that's robbing the joy in our lives, I pray that we'd be able to turn that over to you. This song, Lord, that we're closing in, it's the truth, Lord. And I pray it would so permeate us that it would change our world. And I pray that in Jesus' name, amen. How many of you know this one? Let's sing it. There's within my heart a melody. Jesus whispers sweet and low. Fear not, I am with thee. Peace be still. In a love life's ebb and flow. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Sweetest name I was wrecked by sin and strife. Discord filled my heart with pain. Jesus swept across the broken strings, stirred the slumbering chords again. Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know. Fills my every longing, keeps me singing Coming back to welcome me Far beyond the starry sky I shall wing my flight to worlds 